Good morning, and Happy New Year to you, and I imagine that most of you were not up at midnight, uh, but uh, how many of you were up after midnight? Let me see your hand. Wow. Thank you for coming. I thought you'd still be asleep, but I'm glad you're here today, and uh, I trust God's going to bless you. Well, God is good all the time. I told someone today that uh, because the pastor's not here, um, you probably wouldn't hear about Baylor, but maybe I ought to tell you that Baylor won their game so that at least he'll be happy to know that Baylor was mentioned today. Well, I want to thank you uh, in several ways. First of all, in the area of missions, uh, I want you to know that uh, you've blessed the work because... um, as of today, CBF has received, you've given 116000 to them, to Lottie Moon, 129000 and the whole mission's 15000 And uh, that's a good amount of money, and we're delighted with that. And I'm going to ask Jim to give me a copy of this book. Would you just give me a copy here? Because I want to show you something I haven't even seen that you have made possible. But uh, as you know, we had a, a missionary, Wade McHarg, come to our church and uh, he spoke and he's a missionary in Guinea-Bissau. One of the things he wants to do is to spread the word of God in that country. And so through Tallawood, 25,000 of these books. Now what he's done, he's taken scripture. This is pure scripture in here. He's taken 57 different topics and he's put them here because these people don't have money to buy Bibles and can't afford it. And so we printed 25,000 of these, which we will be sending over to Guinea-Bissau, and you did it. And uh, we are so grateful to you, and it's called The Way of Life, and it's brand new right off, and I hadn't even seen it. So Jim Panola had a lot to do with this, and how grateful I am to him for helping us in this area. So God has, has certainly been good. Now let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And just in case, that comes after the book of Proverbs. I'm sure most of you know where Proverbs is, which comes after Psalms. All right, Ecclesiastes 3. Let's stand now in honor of God's Word. Here's what it says. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant And a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. May God bless his word. You may be seated. And pray with me. Father, I just pray right now that your word will go deep into our hearts, that we will clearly understand the truth that you want to communicate to each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
In verse 11, there's this beautiful statement that says, He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. When each one of you were born, amazing action was taken by God. For you see, He not only designed or engineered you while you were in your mother's womb, but He also allowed you to be born. But according to King Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes, God set eternity in your heart. He set eternity in your heart. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, when God sets something in place, there's a different perspective than when we do it. For example, I have my Bible right here and I'm going to set it on this pulpit. And um, I just did. There it is. It's set here. But I can assure you it's not going to last very long because before or at the end of the service, I'm going to take my Bible and go with it. But I set it down. Now, there's something that's a little more permanent than just setting a book on a particular place. For example, uh, three weeks ago, here at our church, a tree was set in the ground. There was this gigantic crane that picked up the tree, and uh, uh, there it is. That crane picked up the tree that you see right there. It lifted it up. This is a big tree. And then it took it up, and it set it in the ground, just like you're seeing right there. It was an amazing feat. Now, that tree is uh, going to be there for a long time. We don't know how long. I don't think it's going to be there forever because, you see, even when we built this building, a lot of trees were cut down, so trees come and go. A lot of trees have been set uh, here on our property in the last few weeks, and right there is one of them. But it's also something that's temporary. But when God set eternity in the heart of every man, woman, and child in the world, it was a permanent action. It was forever. It was not for a season, but eternity was set for eternity. Now, why is this important? What does eternity have to do with you and me or anyone else? And why should we start the year of 2012 understanding clearly this concept? Well, the word eternity is very significant. Dr. William Barrick, professor of Old Testament at the Master's Seminary and other theologians, agree with the context that in the Hebrew, this word olam means the totality of time uh, without beginning or end, a world without end, endless life after death, immortality. It is the same word found in Psalm chapter 90, verse 2, which says, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So it is time. You see, the time, uh, the concept of time is uh, an absolute part of our life, of your life. For example, Americans especially are governed by the clock. Uh, We not only wear watches, we live by the watch. In fact, some of you will be looking at your watch to see if it is time to end the service or if we've gone overtime uh, before the service is over. That's how attached you are to your watch. Uh, you know, in many cultures in the world, uh, the watch means nothing. They go to an event. If it's going to start at 7, it might start at 7.30 or 8 o'clock. They're not worried. We are worried. You know, it must start right on time, all the time. But, you know, that's just our culture, and, and that's okay. That's the way we are. You see, we plan the calendar of our lives according to time. We establish goals for our work according to time, to days, months, and years. Uh, the writer to Ecclesiastes mentions Time in in different ways, 28 times here, 28 aspects of time. And so why did God place eternity, after all, in your heart and in mine? 
And it's because the concept of time and eternity, listen to this, it arouses in our mind profound questions. Time makes us think, when did life begin? What is the purpose of my life? When will it end? How will it end? How long will I live? When will I die? When will the world come to an end? What is life after death? How long is eternity? And so eternity in your heart produces questions, but not just to you, but to the entire world. And these very reflective questions lead man to ask or think about a creator, about God. Dr. Daniel Estes in Handbook on the, on the Wisdom Books and Psalms says this, humans are bound by time, but they are wired for eternity. Dr. Barrick said the creator made human beings and then he placed eternity within them. He goes on to say men and women intuitively know that there must be something, some meaning somewhere and that they were made for more than just vain toil. And then he goes on to say the human beings in and of themselves cannot satisfy their desire to know the divine design for life and its events. They can't do it on their own. Mankind cannot understand himself in this world. He tries, but he's not able to do it. But our creator made us with an innate inquisitiveness and need to observe, research, and contemplate his creation and our own existence. So then why did God put eternity in the heart of 7 billion people, 13 million that are in our world today and every two or three, every second two or three children are being born. Why did he do it? You see, it's because in every human heart, there is a, what I call a space for God himself. There's a space inside of you for God. There's a space inside of every single human being for God. And so that's why God put eternity in our heart. And if that space is in your life, is filled with the Spirit of God through your belief into the Lord Jesus Christ, you will receive peace, joy, love. You'll find fulfillment. And you will discover that God set eternity in your heart so that you could establish a relationship with God, which in turn affects your entire world. You see, it is our relationship with God that helps us walk through Day after day after day, and as Christians understand purpose in life, understand why we are alive, what is our task here, what are we doing here? But if, on the other hand, an individual chooses not to believe in the Christ as his Savior, he or she will remain empty. Because, see, that space is still there. So they're empty. Now, if that person is you or if it's someone you know, you will continue to seek for inner peace, happiness, and purpose. But you're going to seek for it in money, through power, prestige, education, and position, activities, or drugs, or whatever. But you're not going to find it. You're just not going to find it because that space was made for God. Now, eternity will remain in that heart. Eternity never leaves a human heart. Eternity is there to allow you to have an encounter with God. And it will be there till the day a person dies. 
Christopher Hitchens, the British-born journalist and atheist intellectual, which was mentioned by our pastor just two or three weeks ago in one of his messages, said, I'd like to know that my life had some meaning. You see, he never found that meaning, but that very statement that he wanted something inside of him proves that eternity was in his heart. It was there all the time. God could have come in. God could have shown him purpose in life. God could have given him exactly what he wanted, but he didn't have it because he didn't allow it. And I like that all of you would understand today with me that as you talk to people, because eternity is set in their heart, it is always good to dialogue with them about Jesus Christ and about God. See, what we need to understand is that there is a built-in curiosity about God in every human heart. And that it is okay for us to talk to them. So often we are afraid when we talk about this idea of witnessing or sharing the gospel because we think, well, what am I going to say? What are they going to think? How are they going to respond? You don't have to worry about that. Because eternity is already there. So that anything that you say, say to them about Christ, about God, already has a little seed. You know, I was on a plane years ago. I was very young. I was sitting next to what I decided was an old lady. She probably was my age today. So really, she was a very young lady, uh, in my opinion, today. Uh, We started talking about eternity and the meaning of life and death. And I shared with her the very basic gospel message that God loved her very much. But, you know, the problem of sin is always there, and so she's separated from God, and yet Jesus came to die on the cross to, you know, pay for her sins. And if she would just trust in Christ as her Savior, he would come in and give her eternal life, and her life would be transformed. And so we just talked about that for a little while. And as we were going down there and landing in St. Louis, Missouri, she said to me, I want to thank you for talking to me today because That was the deepest conversation I've had in many, many years. I thought to myself, how could that be? I mean, I shared the gospel all the time, and this is so simple. And yet to her, it was the deepest conversation she had had. You know why? Because eternity was in her heart. And she just hadn't heard the word. And when you hear about Christ, I'll tell you, there's something that happens inside of you. You know, I was at the, had the privilege of going to China. I was at the university there. University City in Shanghai, and I was just going around with a, a, a friend, and we would visit students on the campus. And you know, China is an amazing place. I know there are really hundreds of thousands that have come to Christ, and yet there are also millions who have nev- never heard not only of Christ. They don't even have a concept about God. They don't talk about God. Their parents have never mentioned God to them, and so. God doesn't even exist. If you say to them, God, they really are not sure what you're talking about. But I began to talk to some of these students, and uh, we were chatting as we walked down the way there, and we would always talk to them, you know, do you understand, have you ever thought about the creator of this universe? Now, we call him God. And as I was talking to one of those young men, and we developed a little friendship, and I, I kept on talking, eventually I shared the, the same gospel that I shared with that lady on the plane, I shared it with him there in China. And before I was through, he said, wait a minute, I want to ask you a question. What happens to us after we die? What's life after death like? 
Now, you see, he had never even talked about God, but eternity had been in his heart the entire time. And that's why we can do that. And dear friend, if you're here today without Christ, you could consider you have this issue. You you ought to have this issue of eternity settled in your heart and in your mind. You know, in John 3, we read about Nicodemus when he came to Jesus and he said, you know, Lord, what is this all about? You perform miraculous signs. You do all these amazing things. What happened was that eternity in his heart propelled him to take a walk that night toward Jesus. There was a man in Rio de Janeiro where we were missionaries for 15 years. This man, according to his own story, he said, I was a daily drunkard. So I just... Got drunk every day. That's what he told us. He had a friend and this friend one day said to him, you know, we're going to have a meeting in our church and they're going to, uh, it's it's going to be a wonderful time. It was really an evangelistic meeting. He said, I want you to come. And he said, no, I can't come. But the friend would insist and no and insist. And finally he said, okay, I'll go. So uh, that night when he was getting ready to come to the church, he just decided, I'm going to get drunk and just show my friend. So he got drunk and he went to the church. Well, he said, I heard some music, and that's all I can remember. Uh, but I uh, went home, and I thought that was over. But my friend insisted that I come back the next night. So, okay, I said, I went again. But I got drunk again the second night. But the third night, he said, okay, I think I'm not going to get drunk tonight. I'm just going to go sober. So he went sober. And he heard the gospel, and he accepted Christ. And his life was transformed. And, uh, and later you can ask me, because... I saw a dramatic change in his life. Some things that happened were incredible as a result of Christ coming into him. Now here he was, a drunkard with eternity in his heart. And so the day came, he was ready to receive Christ. Because God had already put eternity right there. Now why is it that everyone being touched by eternity... And recognizing it, why is it they don't come to Christ? Well, there are barriers. And you need to be aware of these barriers. Because when you go and you take the initiative to talk to someone about who Christ is and what Jesus means to you, or just giving a good word about God, and I hope you do this a lot, their response may show that there's some barriers. For example... One of the barriers could be that no one ever talked to them about a relationship with God. Brent and I were at a restaurant this past week, and as we were there, the young man was serving us, and he was a very fine kid, and we were talking to him, and I asked him this question. I said, you know, have you ever been interested in spiritual things, uh, or have you ever attended a Bible study? He said, no, never, never. Never had anyone ever mentioned to him anything about a Bible study, the possibility of getting to know God. Now, there are other barriers. You may be talking to people whose lifestyle blocks them temporarily from receiving truth because, you see, their actions go against God's plan for their life. But let me tell you, eternity is in their heart. Just like eternity was in the heart of that young man. I left my card with him. I said, you call me, I'll tell you exactly where you can go for a Bible study. Now, a lifestyle, you see, there are a lot of people who say, I don't believe in the Bible. Now, I would say to you that the vast majority of the people that say, I don't believe in the Bible, are people who are going against what's in here. 
And so it's pretty easy to say, well, I don't believe that because if I don't believe it, then I can do anything I want to do. But you see, as you talk to them, as you continue to pray for them, as you continue to touch their life, they will listen because eternity is in their heart. And they know what they're doing is wrong and they want what is good for their life. And then there's another barrier because initially some people will not admit their desperate need to discover the meaning of life. Yet eternity is in their heart. You have exactly what they need. And they want it. And you're the key to it. But they won't admit at first that they have that need. You know, another barrier is the fear of persecution. Now, these are people you're talking to. This is what's going through their mind. God has already said eternity in their heart. You're encountering them with words. But uh, that's the situation. There are barriers in their life. There's fear of persecution. A person with eternity in their heart to whom you witness may think, well, if I believe, I might be persecuted. One of the things we need to understand is all over the world today, there's persecution of Christians. They're being killed every single day. So many governments are afraid of Jesus. And they're especially afraid that if they don't kill these Christians, that they'll go after Jesus and he'll be number one in their lives. But you see, there's persecution right here in America. We have a classic case going on today that all of you or most of you, many of you would know about. It's a young man named Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow plays professional football for the Denver Broncos. He was maligned by the media from day one. I don't know much about football, but he did win the Heisman Trophy, and that usually means he's a pretty good player. But he was told that he didn't know how to play football in the pros. He couldn't play for them. And he was criticized. You know, they kept criticizing him as a player. But as you follow the story, it became very apparent that the problem was not so much his football as it was his faith in Christ. The media doesn't like the fact that he's open with his faith and with his prayers. So they criticize his ability to play football. Now, as mean as I am, I've been enjoying watching the media having to back up week after week after week as he's been winning a game after game after game. You know, that just makes me feel good in my sinfulness. But, uh, but the truth is this. On an ABC morning show, they were talking about this criticism that he was receiving. ABC morning show. And the anchor, Robin Roberts, turns to George Stephanopoulos and she says, you know the reason he's being criticized is because of his faith. And George Stephanopoulos says, that's right. They know. And people who are going to hear about Christ may fear that kind of persecution. And then there's that man who up to this point has rejected the spirit of God's promptings in his heart. In uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the Bible says the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But let me say, eternity is in their heart. God touches people all the time. That's why you must be there. You must be there to give that word of encouragement, to give that word about the Lord Jesus, to give that word about God. 
And so what is it that you and I must do about eternity in our hearts and the hearts of those that make up our world? What, what do we need to do? Well, listen, if you already have Christ in your heart, start out this year with the assurance of your salvation, with the assurance of eternal salvation in your heart. One of the greatest things about being a believer, and I, believe, I think, and I believe, is that I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. I like that. I like that assurance in my heart. And you don't need to doubt. If you have Christ and you die, you're going to heaven. And you're going to spend eternity with him. That relationship is not only going to continue. It's just going to be an amazing relationship the rest of eternity. And then you need to start out the year aware that eternity is in the life of every person you encounter in 2012. And what that means is you don't need to be afraid to approach people about their faith. You see, remember that regardless of their response back to you, they already have eternity in their hearts. It's already been put there by God. So you can just talk to them freely about it. It doesn't matter how they respond. And then for the next two weeks, I want to encourage you to do something. And that is that as you interact with people, whether it be at work or at school or in leisure moments, you tell yourself, that person has eternity in their heart. That person has eternity in their heart. That person has eternity in their heart. And as you begin to see people all around you that have eternity in your heart, you wait until God gives you the opportunity you're waiting for to share an element of your faith with that person. For example, this past Wednesday, I was at the Apple computer store. And uh, I wanted to learn something about the iPod. And excuse my ignorance, but I didn't know very much. And uh, I'm looking at this, and the young lady that worked there, she came up to talk to me. And she looked like a kid. And she was a kid, but I mean, she looked very young. And, but she knew everything about that iPod. And she was just telling me this and flipping it and, and going into great detail and really answering. She answered every question I had about it. And at the end, I said, now, what is your name? Well, she told me what her name was. She is not, her background was not American, nor her ethnicity. And so she told me the, her name, and then she says, and let me tell you what my name means. It means one who uplifts another. And she was a Muslim young girl, and I saw that by her dress. And so when she told me that her name meant to uplift another, I said, you know, today you have lived up to the meaning of your name. I said, you know, you're, you're like Jesus. You have uplifted me today. And you know what her response was? She said this, those are the best words that have been said to me today. Now, why did I say that? Because eternity is in her heart and I want her to be motivated to believe in the Jesus that she imitated so that she can receive eternal life one day. A simple phrase, a simple word. I was in the bank and uh, this African girl was there and we just, uh, she, she was very happy talking about 2012 that was coming up and I said, isn't Jesus so good that he makes all of this happen? See, just, that's all I said. And her response was so positive. And if you just start infusing the word, Jesus, isn't God good? 
You'd never know how they would give you an opportunity to share Christ with them. So notice that people have eternity in their heart. And finally, if you're here today and eternity has dawned in your heart, start out 2012 with Christ in your life as your Savior and Lord. Start a new relationship with him that's going to make all the difference in your life. Are you ready? Would you do it? Christ is there. He's waiting. He wants to come into your heart, your life, and he'll do it if you ask him to do it. And so we're going to pray. And as we pray, you can make that decision right here, right now, right there where you're sitting. Let's bow together and let's pray this prayer. And if you're here and you've never trusted in Christ, would you just pray this prayer with me? And this will be the desire of your heart. And it'll be what you're you're speaking and you're saying to the Lord Jesus. Pray this prayer. Dear God, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I do recognize that I'm a sinner and I need you today. Please come into my life and be my Savior and Lord. Thank you for coming in right now.